Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the second day of the week in God's created order. Monday, the fifth day of November, 2023, year of our Lord. We begin this morning as we do each morning with our friend George Witten of WorthyNews.com. Friends, woo, it's hot. Second Corinthians 4, 5 through 6. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves, your bondservant for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon was a minister often accused of being controversial. One day a friend of Spurgeon's remarked, So I hear you are in hot water again. No, I'm not in... I'm not the one in hot water, Spurgeon answered. The other fellows are, I'm the man who makes the water boil. (laughs) Uh, We're living in amazing times. Wars are being waged. Prophecy is being fulfilled. And we, what are we doing exactly? More than ever before, we should be focusing on the conditions of our heart before the Lord. And to pray for God to open the eyes of the blind. We should be talking about the truth of the Messiah daily with those who don't yet know him. Who cares if people think it's controversial? This is not the time to care what people think of us. This is a time to get the water boiling. Friends, what's your spiritual temperature today? Is it causing anybody to boil? Good. There's so much work to be done. Your family and the Lord with much agape love. George, Botrevka, Obadiah, and Elena. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for it. Thank you for another week of service. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Those who woke up this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Mercy, your kindness. We have failed so often, so many times in life, but yet it is thee who uses broken people to accomplish your most magnificent will. So we pray, Heavenly Father, open our hearts to the study today, to this morning. May it be with us for all day. May we come to walk with thee in your word, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, what would you say this morning? Uh, what would you say this morning would be the most important words in the Bible? What would you say, if you think about it, if you sit down and think about, about um, phrases, words, everything that's written from Genesis to Revelation, what would be, what would you say would be the most important words in the Bible? Give you just a moment for that. Well, for me, and uh, I'm 
I'll be dogmatic about it, to tell you the truth, because it's the principle of precedence. And the Bible sets a precedence from the very beginning. And I would say the very most, the most important words in the whole Bible would be the words, in the beginning, God. Our lives as believers begin not with ourselves. Our worship doesn't begin with ourselves. Our prayers don't start with ourselves. Everything that our whole worship and everything that we do in the light of this life that is honoring to God, that, that, that serves God, that worships God, begins with God. The greatest doctrine of all the doctrines that can be learned is the doctrine of the attributes or the essence or the character of God. Who and what God is. Theology is the study of God. It's the most important study that you can do. And when you're reading the Bible, it, everything that you read, everything that you, every narrative, everything that you read should be a should be God-centered. Where is God in this? What does this tell me about my God? That's the first question we need to ask ourselves. Because the Bible is history, his story. It tells us about him, his, who, he, who he is, what his plan is. The, um, and this is what we need to get our hearts centered around. Before we can... Before we can bow a knee to God, we must know the God whom we worship. Worship is knowing who God is and paying homage to the person of God. Um, when uh, when uh, Moses confronted Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 5, the first time that him and Aaron came before him, the unbelieving Pharaoh asked a question. It's a very important question. A question that he may have been flippant with. A question that an unbeliever could throw out there and not be. But it's in the Bible and it's an important question. And in Exodus 5.2, he asks, who is, the God, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? Okay, so, and then he goes and acknowledges his own ignorance of this Lord that Moses is declaring. I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. Moses could have came up with the best best answer in the world. Probably could have. Who is this God? And And he could have sat down with Pharaoh and really laid it out on who God is. It wouldn't have mattered. It would not matter to Pharaoh. He was an unbeliever. He rejected from the very beginning. He says, I'm not going to let him go. And he had the opportunity. All the time after this point, the Lord just continually hardened his heart. May have not been an important question to Pharaoh. It was, but to him himself it wasn't. But to you. If someone would ask you, who, who is this God whom you worship? Do you know your God? I'm not asking you if you're saved. 
just about all Christians can say, well, I'm saved. I know God. I love God. I love Jesus. All right. Fair enough. Can you sit down and can you tell me a little bit about your God? Who is this Jesus that I should obey his voice? Who is this Lord of yours that I should come to know him? Do you know your God? That's the question. So, salvation. So, let's just say, your justification, certainly your sanctification, and onward to glorification, all depends upon, your faith in the Lord depends upon your knowledge of the Lord. Faith doesn't become, it doesn't begin with you and your ability to believe something. Faith comes and the power of your faith is who and what and your view of God. Last we spoke, last week we spoke of the persistence of prayer. Of, of making it a, a, being consistent in prayer, praying. And Luke 1, 1 through 8, it tells us about, about pestering God. And God cannot be pestered. We're just using that. It is the Lord that wants his children to, to come to him. To, to continue, and there are times, if we hadn't noticed, sometimes the Lord will, there's times when the Lord doesn't answer a prayer straight out. And here it is that Jesus says, Jesus says, don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep pestering God. Keep going like the man who, uh, who wouldn't get, a, who, who didn't want to give it this, his neighbor any bread because it was late at night. The door was locked. The kids were down. But the man kept knocking. He kept asking until the man said, okay, here's the bread. And for us, we are to keep knocking. We are to keep asking. We are to keep seeking until God provides the answer, whether it's an answer that we want to hear or not. But we continue to ask. So, for God loves us. You know, the, the question is why? Why why do we why do we pray? Why why do why are we persistent in prayer? Why why are we continually why should we make it a, a habit and be persistent in prayer? Well, first of all, that God loves us. He loves us as any father loves us. Matter of fact, he loves us more than any earthly father can love his children. And as any earthly father would, he wants to have communion. He wants to have communication with his children. Some of us have raised children whom we so deeply love. And yet they have broken off contact with us. And that, and it's for a loving parent that breaks their heart. For whatever reason, maybe it's because of a past conflict that has never gotten resolved. Sometimes because we, they just get so caught up with their lives and raising their children that parents become something of the past. And others, which Jesus predicted this, will, will, will come to a hatred of their parents just because they hate the God of their parents, whom, you know, whom we serve. And they seek to avoid the conviction because when they're around their parents, they're convicted. 
it doesn't it doesn't even take the parents to 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 be preaching to their children. They just do not want the conviction of being around godly people. Whatever the case, out the the hearts of the parents are grieved. As the father, so considering the father who is perfect love wants the communication from his children, he cannot be pestered. So our prayers, another thing is that our prayers are witness to the angels, both elect and fallen. You know, our prayers are declaration. In a time of need, it's a declaration that I will trust in the Lord. It's a declaration like Job. Though he slay me, I will continue to trust in him. Though I'm going through this, or while I'm going through that, Whatever I'm going through, my prayers as a testimony to the angels most fallen in the left that I am trusting in God. It is, it is a condemnation to the fallen angels because they chose to alienate themselves, to, to function independently from God. It's a joy to the angels in heaven who, who's rejoicing with us and our prayers there. So, to the angels, it is it is certainly a witness to the angels, both fallen and, and elect. That's our prayers. That is our prayers. So, it is also an exercise of faith, of faith that pleases God. And Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is, and, and, and Hebrews 11.3 tells us that it's, faith is what, how men of old gain approbation from God. So it is our prayers that please God. And you, you want to please God? Well, um, and it, prayer is a demonstration of faith, and it is a demonstration of faith. We're praying to a God that, um, that we haven't heard of, that we haven't seen face to face. We heard of, I mean, that we haven't heard from. We don't... He hasn't spoken to us verbally. He's spoken us to his word. You know, from the way we contact and stuff, we, though we have not seen him, we love him. And we, a part of a demonstration of our love is our prayers toward him. So it's an exercise of faith. And when we do not see those prayers immediately being, being acted upon by God, we continue to pray. Knowing, knowing that God hears those prayers. So it, it is an exercise of the faith that pleases God. And um, we and I like this. I, I went back and uh, Friday mentioned this, Revelation 5, 8. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Consider this this morning. Those bowls, so precious, so precious to God that these golden bowls have the prayers of the saints. You, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a saint, one who's set set apart to the Lord. Consider this for a moment. Consider this future um, future thing where 
where the the twenty four elders is these bowls of of prayer so precious to God. How much? How many of your prayers are in this bowl? How much of these bowls are filled with your prayer and my prayer? Things that are precious. You want listen? We've been saved, free gift from God. You want to know how to give back to God. You want to know how to. We can't. We can't repay God for what He's done by sending His Son, but we certainly can um, show our gratitude. So let's do this. As prayer is a part of gratitude, a gratitude uh, to a response. You see, we were saved by grace. Grace demands a response. So our prayers go. Go up to God as a response. So, prayer, these prayers must be pretty important and pretty valuable to God to keep them in golden bowls. And again, how much, how much, how many prayers, how many of our prayers, or how much of these bowls um, contain our prayers? Any? A little bit? Well, I, I don't. I I want to know that my prayer. I want to fill as much in these bowls as I can. Of my prayers, so I'll, every prayer, every um, every believer, I'm sure, will tell you the importance of prayer. That prayer is important. Yeah, ask anyone, and I bet you, I bet you, it'd be hard pressed to find any Christian that'll tell you that prayer is not important. But how many of those actually make it a habit of prayer? Praying without ceasing. What what is praying without ceasing? I wish I had brought up. The, the quote from um, Stonewall Jackson on this. But we have our prayers in our prayer closet. But we can spend the day, if we're walking with the Lord, we're certainly talking with the Lord, aren't we? If we're walking, if we're working at our job sites and we're going down the road, be careful, we're not bowing our heads in silent prayer going down the road. Some of us seem to be. It's bad enough we're talking on our cell phones. But but don't bow your heads when you drive them. But you still can make, you can still verbalize and mentally praying to the Lord in everything that you do, your meals, everything. So anyway, um, so only speaking of myself. That I connect the time of my neglect. When I neglect prayer. When I set aside prayer. When I set aside the word of God. Usually they go hand in hand by the way. It's because of one thing. My lack of occupation of the person of God. See your, your life in the Lord. We're either growing closer to the Lord. We're falling back. Our our relationship is either growing hotter or colder, as we as we've been talking in our morning service, our, our Lord's Day service. There's no plateau. You're either moving forward in your Christian life, or you're falling back. And if you're moving closer to the Lord, you're certainly your prayer life, is, and, and your view of God, your prayer life is growing up. When you're cold and you're out there in the toolies and you're busy at the world and stuff, you're not you're not calling upon God except only when you're in trouble. But as you're drawing near to God, 
and, and his righteousness, his character, everything else, you're, you're, you're going to be compelled to pray. It's going to be, you're, you're not going to draw close to God and be silent talking with them. So there, when there, when, when I find, speaking of myself, when I am, when I am not praying, it's a dem- demonstration of a lack of love and a lack of faith. Even an abs- and it's even an absence of my love for my fellow believers, my wife and my family. Do they not need prayer? Do they not need someone to be going to the Lord? Do they not appreciate and desire prayers? As James says, a prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. When I neglect in prayer, it's not just about me, but it's about those that that need prayer, that needs to be prayed about. So, without the heart of the Lord, without faith, without growing, without knowing who and what God is, because that's the first thing, going back to what we talked about earlier, in the beginning, God. Without knowing your God, your prayers are useless. Your prayers do not even give, give, go above the ceiling if you don't know your God. If you don't know who you're praying to. Oh, you just have to pray. No, you just have to know your God. And pray to the God whom you know. So if prayer is, so, is not so important, then Jesus would not have emphasized it so much. In Luke, here is Luke, the first one we talked about being persistent in prayer. Now we come to the humility. Now we come to the subject of humility. First of all, persistent in prayer. And then knowing who and what. Humility comes with knowing who and what God is in the light of who and what I am. I am nothing compared to who and what God is having the proper view of self in light of who and what God is. So let's turn to Luke 18.9. I think we'll just have enough to start this morning. There you go. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to a temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Remember that a parable um, is a story. It's a fictional story with principles to teach. And um, if historical stories, um, factual stories would be centered around proper names and proper of of places and people. Um, Usually a, a parable will have certain people, certain men, certain whatever, but they won't Name names. So here's this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. 
I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is the word of the Lord, and this is going to be our um, passage for, I guess, for the next couple of days anyway. And so first you're dealing with two two folk here. You're dealing with, with two opposites, um, um, two anesthetical people here. You're talk, um, the parable of the Pharisee and tax collector demonstrates that we that there has to be a humility in prayer, proper view of God, knowing who your God is. That it is our hearts that must be in check. And having the right view of self in light of who and what God is before we even come to the Lord in prayer. And having the right view of God, as I've I've already mentioned, that um Knowing your God is the key. Who is it that I am praying to? It's not about, it's really, and, and that goes above my needs, the needs of others. Um, it foresh- the, the view of God foreshadows everything else. And we must have, we must have the right view of God. And that means, that we elevate God over ourselves. That we that that we don't we're not elevating ourselves. We're not it's not about our piety, it's not about who and what we are, it's not even about who we pray, it's who and what God is. On recognizing his own unworthiness to kneel before the king. Which, and that's that would be the Pharisee. Or not the Pharisee, that the publican, compared to the Pharisee, the Pharisee, looking upon himself in his piety, we spoke some about legalism yesterday. Legalism is approaching God on your own terms. It is your own self-evaluation. It is your own righteousness that you're lifting up. Now, there's two kinds of righteousness. There is, and and there is no shortage of teaching of piety in churches. That that the Christian way of life is a superficial, holy. How do you say? Just a a life of piety, and more time, and and no more times, if not always. Is a person like the Pharisees fixing their outward appearance? It's nothing different than the fig leaves in the garden. I guess we have just enough time to talk about that. Let's. I tell you what. Let's go because it's a wonderful lesson. Let's go to Genesis three with me. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field uh, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. 
For God knows that in the day that you eat there, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight for the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then their eyes were both opened of them. And what was the first thing they did? And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. You see, this was the first, first form of self-righteousness. These fig leaves demonstrated it covered and it masked their guilt. It masked their shame. It covered their... It was man's way to find atonement before God. And who knows for how long it worked. Who knows? They, okay, find that they were naked. That The idea is not that they were bodily naked. It means that they were now sinners before a, before a righteous God. And these leaves served as self-righteousness. They're, it served as their means to get right with God. Well, and I won't say that, but I think their acknowledgement of God. The fact is to get right with themselves, each other, and with their environment. But when it is that the end... And and as they were blending in with the world, they would forget their God until God showed up. I love that in Forrest Gump when when they're out there on the water and, and um, Lieutenant Dan after, um, right when they were when they were coming up with no shrimp right before the storm. Um, Lieutenant goes Lieutenant Dan goes, "Where's your God at now, Gump?" And then. And then you hear the narrative, and, and he goes, then God showed up. Well, when God shows up, you recognize that you're, that those things that you covered yourself up with in your own self-righteous arrogance. You see, self-righteous arrogance. Arrogance is a blinder of who and what God is. And we do things. <coughs> we do things. Now listen, <coughs> we were created for good works. We were created to, We were created to do good works. And and um and we should live and and, and um a humble life. We should uh, I, we should not be licentious and and there should be, can I say, a certain piety in our lives, but not, but not in a sense of, of um, our our to worship, but as a response to our worship of knowing who and what God is. Growing closer to God will, will, uh, as we uh, Paul says in in Romans twelve two. To to um, stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. There's going to be changes, but we don't put the cart before the horse. Our piety does not our our, our spiritual life is not it doesn't function on the power of piety, if, if I can say that. So here it was that those these two in the garden they pug on fig leaves as a way to to mask their guilt, to mask their shame, 
And this Pharisee that we have in this that is in this temple has masked his, his has done a good job. The arrogant skills. Remember, remember what these arrogant skills were. Self deception. I, I don't know which ones they come first or if there's an order, but there's self deception, lying to yourself, self justification, that you're covering up your sins, if your own sins and who and what you are, by your own, um, by your own deception. These are your fig leaves. That's self justification. I'm right with the Lord. I'm right with the Lord because I do this, and this is where this Pharisee is. I'm right with the Lord. I, I do those things that are right. I do this, and what did Jesus call the Pharisees? Whitewashed tombstones. They're, they're all looking good on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of dead men's bones. And this Pharisee believed it. You see, that's the thing about it. You've lied to yourself so much that you believe it, and you've justified yourself. you justified your own self by, by setting a standard and meeting that standard and said, there, a good boy am I. So it's not in self-justification, just like this Pharisee. He's not setting the standard, or God's not setting the standard. He's setting his own standard, and he's meeting that standard. But he's as far away from God. I've, I've said this often. If you think you're, if you think that you and God are like uh, peas and carrots, that that you are that you are just that God just cannot do without you. You're as far away from God as you can possibly believe because you don't know your God. All right. So here's this Pharisee. He's got his own fig leaves on. He's got his his mask. And once again, let's go to the third third arrogant skill. So the the self deception, self justification, self absorption. And we see all these things. We'll bring these up back up tomorrow as we're closing out today. But we see all these things sent, uh, that this this Pharisee he's blinded to who he is before God, and so he is he's more so worshiping his own piety and who and what he is, and not God. He's also in comparative what I call comparative righteousness. He's standing next to this poor slug, the publican. And so he has something to compare his own righteousness with. I call that comparative righteousness. That I'm not as bad as my neighbor, or I'm not as bad as a child abuser, or I'm not bad about, I'm not as bad as this drunkard, so I must be alright. So, in that case, this man is stuck blindly where he's at. And he's moving no further to the Lord than um, anything. And the, the hope is those in humility. Arrogance blinds ourselves to how, how we truly are. But it's humility that takes our eye, eyes off of ourselves and sees God for who he is. And therefore be able to get a right evaluation of self. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning fellowshipping in your word. We ask Heavenly Father that God the Holy Spirit will continue to bring these truths into our hearts. Let us, Heavenly Father, look in the mirror of God's word, of your word, that we may correctly assess ourselves. 
Help us to know who and what you are. Let us take off our fig leaves and be covered by your righteousness. Let us walk in your righteousness. That is walking by your standard and not our own. And I pray, Heavenly Father, let us check our thoughts, our motives, our actions. Test them, Heavenly Father, that they may be right before thee. For what would it profit us to go through life being deceived about our relationship with thee, only to die to stand before thee, naked before thee, having nothing to show for a life that we should have lived worshiping thee. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, it's another fine day in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting a good fight of faith. Lord willing, spirit guide, rapture pending. We'll be back here in the a.m. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.